You are listening to a sermon preached at the First Christian Church of St. Ignatius in St. Ignatius, Montana. For more information, you can visit us at www.firstchristiansti.org. We have quite a bit of our family here today, and I'm glad to see them. And I know they've come a long distance, many of them to come. We have a special guest this morning, a young man who came to Pine Haven a long time ago as a teenage boy from, actually started in Haiti, I understand, and then moved to Alaska, what a change, and from there to Montana to be at Pine Haven. And he's here this morning called me and I was thrilled to know that he was coming to be here because he'd been at Pine Haven quite a while. And when he left us, he wanted to go into one of the most difficult branches of the armed forces, the U.S. Marine Corps. And he's done well. And I'm glad you're here, Jono, John, John Knight. And I want to say this, John, we have had Pine Haven since 1976. And if you'd been the only one that had ever come and found the Lord because of it, it all would have been worthwhile. Thank you. God bless. This morning, I want to share with you some thoughts from God's word about death. We are all handling the situation right now of the separation of our son John, left to walking the streets of the earth to walking the golden streets of heaven. And it's something, the one thing that will happen to all of us someday, one thing, you can't say that about many things, it's going to happen to everybody, but it's going to happen to us. The Bible says it is given to every man and woman once to die, and after this, the judgment. And you'll come to the opportunity often to contemplate your own time of going to be with the Lord and sharing with other people when that happens in their family. It wasn't very long ago that we had a service here for Frank Rollins, and he went suddenly and unexpectedly at that time. And it'll happen over and over again because it's a surety. Someone has said there's only two things in life that are sure. One of them is death and the other one is taxes. And that may be true. But that is true, that it will happen. And so we ought to be prepared and be able to prepare to comfort and share with other people at the same time. The questions that we have today are, what happened? Why did it happen? What does it mean for us? What happened is that many of us, hundreds of people over the country, maybe thousands, had joined a prayer band when they learned that John had cancer and that the outlook from man's standpoint was not very good. They said, we'll pray. We'll pray earnestly, 
And some of them just practically demanded that the Lord change his plan or whatever it is and, and make John cancer-free immediately. It didn't happen. What happened? Did God ignore our prayers? No. He answered them because his will is perfect, and he knew what the best thing is to have happen. What happened was that John changed his residence from walking on this planet to walking the streets of gold, something we could all hope for and look forward to. And when we do, we'll be with a great company of, of uh, saints, of believers who have gone on before. And, you know, it's something we don't want to see in, in, in any time because there is a sorrow of passing. And we, we shy away from it. When I was in high school, I was a public speaker at times. And they had contests of speaking. And we would take a speech by some famous speechwriter and, and make it our own and speak. And one that I was asked to speak and all was by a writer named Channing Pollock. And it was called, We Don't Want to Die. And... That was the, the theme that many people would say, whatever happens in life, I never want to die. Nothing is worth dying for. And his th message that I learned and memorized and shared was, yes, there are things that are worth dying for. Any of you that have served in the armed forces, as John has and Rick and others have, put your life on the line for our country. And you knew when you went into it that it might happen. And if it did, you were not anxious to pay the price, but willing. And so death can be looked at as a terrible thing or it can be looked at as a wonderful gift. My position here this morning is to comfort the aching heart, but also to prepare all of us for the day when we walk through that door that we call death, and to be prepared for the blessings that it will be. It, in man's standpoint, it's, it's a tragedy. But God's word says it's a gift. It says it more than once. How many of you like to get gifts? Christmas is a time of being gifted in many ways. God gives gifts to his people. God gave a lot of gifts to every one of you. He gave many, many gifts to John for his life. You hear people who are 10 talent men. John has more talents than most people that I know, and he used them for the Lord. But the word gift occurs more than once. In uh, the Old Testament, it says he gave God's gifts those who he loves. Psalms 127.2. God gives a gift of death. You think about it. What if God had never given us the gift of death? What if we were forced to live in this earthly shell without the hope that someday we could rest and leave this behind and enter a new body? Last Sunday, I think it was, I talked to Rick and we 
always try to comfort one another. And he said, well, on Thursday, John passed, and today he's up in heaven, and I imagine he's singing with the heavenly choir, probably strumming a harp, some form of a guitar, and he's probably singing glory, hallelujah to the Lamb. And Rick says, no, he's probably singing, I've got a new body. And that's a song, and he was just a little boy. He used to sing when the family sang together. Our daughter Susan is here with her husband, and Debbie's here, and others of the family. And when the four of them all sang together, Susan sewed matching outfits for him. We have pictures of that. And somewhere I've got a tape of him singing, I'll have a new body. I'll have a new life. And that's a great thing to know what happened. So what happened? He exchanged the earthly, limited body for the heavenly body. He made himself, what's the word I'm looking for? He made himself able to enter into heaven. The scripture says that uh, the physical body cannot inherit immortality. You can't go to heaven without passing through this life. The only one the Bible talks about who didn't suffer death was Enoch. Great name for one of our great-grandchildren. But for all of us, it's a doorway that's waiting for us. And instead of looking at it as a tragedy, we need to look at it as an opportunity. It is, Paul said that, he was all conflicted about whether he should die and go to heaven or stay here and help the people. And he said, it'd be far better if I, if I died, but it's better for you if I stay. And so there is a, a dilemma. But instead of looking at it as, as something terrible, we can look at it as the wonderful parts of it, the, the good thing. Is the glass half empty or half full? Well, there's a, a two-part uh, way of looking at anything. But in Jesus' case, in Paul's case, in our case, when it happens, it's good. I have said to people before, and I say it now, as far as I'm concerned, I stand with Paul. I would rather be in heaven right now than standing here and preaching but God is one who calls the shots, not me. And so I'm proud and happy to have the opportunity to share with you now. You cannot enter the kingdom without having passed through the door of death. It's a wonderful goal. And the Bible says that when we get there, it's going to be a great thing. Oh, he says in Revelation 21.5, I make all things new. My house is filled with antiques, including me. And there's some things I'm glad to have as an antique. But if you offer me a car, like Nancy and I started out driving, which was a 35 Ford Coupe, or a brand new Ford with all the improvements and things that they've made on it. I'll take the new one. He says, I make all things new. Things that are old 
are gone. The old body will be gone. The old problems that we have will be gone. All things will be new. God gives us a new start, a chance to begin again. And as we said, it is a gift of God. If there were no death and you were forced to live on until who knows how many hundreds or thousands of years until the Lord calls an end to this life, this old world, and, and says now, now everything has changed, which is going to happen someday, we would suffer in a body that is in pain. We would be forgetful. I'm already forgetful. If you don't have forget something now, uh, you probably just have forgotten that you don't remember. Because that's a common thing for all of us. I visit nursing homes and have many times. And sometimes it's a happy place. We know the Jones family goes up to Ronan to the rest home every Sunday morning that they're here and brings joy and happiness and scripture and teaching and the Lord's Supper and Bible singing to those that are in that rest home. But there are always some of them that don't really know what's going on. That for them, useful life is gone. I remember speaking to a nursing home down in St. Louis, Missouri. Christian Women's Benevolent Association has a great ministry of carrying a Christian home for people that can't live in their own home anymore. And at that time, I was showing a slide program all over the country called How Great Thou Art. What's good things from the 104th Psalm? Had pictures of birds in it and waterfalls and sunsets and rainbows. And as the people went out in their wheelchairs, they would speak to me. And one of them said to me, it's been a long time since I saw a rainbow. She turned to one of the other ladies and said, how did you like the rainbows? And she said, what rainbows? She hadn't been able any longer to appreciate that. And so God gives us a time in our life to look forward to. Instead of saying it's a terrible tragedy, it isn't for us to lose the fellowship, but let's think on to the ones that are passing through that door and what they're getting. Our loss is heaven's gain. It's a gain for those who come through there. Well, death is three things here you might think about. It's natural, it's desirable, and it's victorious for the Christian. It's as natural as birth. When you have a new baby born in the house, you send out your cards and you call people and tell them the joy. You've got a new life, got a new baby here. And that's wonderful. And that's desirable. But it's just as natural for us to pass on and leave it behind and go to be with the Lord. And it is victorious. It isn't just, well, a change of state. The Bible says that this is the victory that we have that overcomes the world. Now, the question comes up, but then are you saying, Bob, that we can't mourn? The word mourn occurs in the Bible, too. 
When Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was stoned to death, the church gathered together and mourned for his loss, their loss. And the scripture answers the question, as it answers every question. Is it all right to mourn? The answer is yes. But it's different than it might be. The scripture in Thessalonians says, we mourn, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, but not as those who have no hope. Don't be ashamed of yourself and feel that you're being weak if you shed tears. If you f find yourself uh, in, in a mourning situation, because it is natural, but it's different because it is not as those who have no hope. I have stood at the open grave and funeral services many times. I remember one particularly up by Ronan when the family was outwardly mourning loudly, many of them. And one of the girls, part of that family, came around to me and said, you can tell the ones who have no faith. They didn't have the hope. And so their mourning was as those who have no hope. But our mourning is respect and love and it's right. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, is an outstanding scripture about all the things we're talking about. You begin with the 50th verse. And he says, I declare to you, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, and the Bible does use the word sleep often to refer to death. Sleep is not an end, it's a rest. It's a good thing. He gives his beloved sleep. He says, but we won't all sleep. There will come when the Lord comes. Those who are still alive at that time, will be changed. That'll be us, if that's us, and we're there, and, and it, it, we hold on that long. He says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality when the perishable has been clothed with immortality and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. In victory. When Jesus hung on the cross, came a point when he spoke to, to those around him and he said, It is finished. It is finished. His life on earth was finished. The mission that he'd come to accomplish, to die on the cross for salvation for you and for me is over. It's finished. And I learned some time ago that that call, it is finished, was used by the Roman legions when they had gone out in their quest for Caesar 
to conquer the world. Missions all over the world. The Roman legions were feared and noted for their their ability in battle, and they conquered the world of their day. And when they came back to Rome, they had a triumphal march down the streets of Rome. And the people gathered around to see them and to praise them for what they had done. They had their shields and and their swords or spears, and they raised them up. And the call that they made over and over was, it is finished. It's finished. And that's a call of victory. Jesus on the cross, as he breathed his last earthly breath, said, it is finished. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 goes on and says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where is the victory in death? O death, where is your sting? Is there a sting in death? Yes, that's why we cry. Because it's not, it's not everything the way we want it right then. There is a sting. I've been stung by bees. Fortunately, the bee stings haven't lasted that long. Eventually, it fades away. And that can can happen. But where, O death, is your sting? And the writer, uh, Paul, goes in and says, The sting of death is sin. And, O death, where is your victory? And the victory, the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look through the door of death. And the sorrow that we experience and know that there's victory certainly ahead of us. And God gives us the grace to handle the problems as long as we put our trust in him. King David is an example. He's considered a man who was after God's own heart, but he wasn't a perfect man. He committed adultery. He caused murder to happen to to uh, Uriah the, because he wanted to take his wife. And it wasn't right at all. And the prophet Nathan had to tell him, you are the man, you've done wrong, you sinned in God's sight. And God said he was going to suffer because of his sin. And in the book of Second Samuel twelve fifteen, go back here in my, in my scripture. I'll just tell you the story. It says that his son, his baby, by his wife, by, your, by Bathsheba, became very, very ill. And he was a man who had probably several wives and several children, but this child was so special to him that he mourned and he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't take care of himself. And he, they, the servants were all watching how badly he was mourning and how terribly he was feeling. And then they said, the child has died. And we hate to even tell him, because if he wouldn't eat and wouldn't take care of himself while the child was still alive, what will he do now? And they went and told him, and he got up and went and got clean, changed his clothes, and ask for food. He said, we don't understand. How come you, you mourn so heavily then, but now you're able to act normally? 
He said, while there was hope that the child would live, I kept praying. And now I know that that isn't going to happen. And the statement that he made, and I want you all to think about it and remember it. He said, I can't bring the child back, but I can go to him. We can't bring John back here, and I don't think he'd want to come back after he's walked those streets and playing his harp and singing, I've got a new body, and walking with the angels and seeing his grandmother. And John even believed he was going to see some babies that were almost born into our family and then didn't make it. He said, I think I'll have some siblings that I've never seen. I don't know about that, but that's his belief, and I honor that. There's things we don't understand completely. Do you pass immediately from death to life? Many people believe you do. When Jesus hung on the cross, he had two thieves, one on each side. And one of them ran him down about what he had done. And the other one said, no, no, we're suffering because of our ill deeds. And he did not do those things. And Jesus turned to that thief and said, today... You will be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow, not six months from now, not in the final resurrection, but today. And I believe that when we were with John and family was with him and praying for him and all, and he closed his eyes and gave his last breath, and down here, that he opened his eyes and saw the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my hope. That's my prayer. That's my belief. So what can we do as a result of all this? Well, we certainly want to honor John's life and his purpose. And remember this, that every time when John closed the sermon from this pulpit, he always stopped with saying, salvation is by being baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. For he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And if you haven't done it, now is the opportunity if you want to come forward. And during his ministry, I don't know how many people have actually stepped forward and stood right up here. And John held their hand and said, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? Accept him as your savior willingly? And they say, yes. And then they were baptized in this baptistry behind me and some of them up at the lake at Lake Mary Ronan, I would be remiss if I stood at this sacred pulpit in the place where John gave that so much and I didn't say the same to each of you. Are you ready to step through the door of death for the beautiful salvation that Jesus died for? If you are, wonderful. If you're not, we're going to sing Victory in Jesus. If you want to make that decision, let it